0: Time for our Friday visit with Bill Thielman, former Vancouver City Council candidate. Bill is a veteran B.C. political strategist and campaigner. Hey, Bill. Hey, Mike. Hey, let's talk about the carbon tax. Man, this is blowed up real good here. <laughs> and uh, you take a look at the backlash against this, not only at the provincial level here. We got all sorts of premiers raising hell about this. David Eby, bit of an exception, but let me ask about the federal ndp here because this is interesting they've got a governing deal here with uh, justin trudeau's liberals the ndp effectively keeping them in power but now they say okay this carbon tax thing trudeau giving a, a carbon tax break to only to people who heat their homes with oil if natural gas too bad too bad for you the the ndp now say they are going to vote with the federal conservatives on this Pierre Polyev, the Conservative leader, says we want a carbon tax cut on all home heating fuels, including natural gas. The NDP say they're going to vote in favour of that. Let's listen to NDP MP Peter Julian here.
1: Given that the Conservatives uh, for once have actually offered a motion that doesn't deny climate change, um, we will be supporting that motion. Bill, your thoughts?
2: Well, everything is topsy-turvy now, Mike. Uh, i got to say, it, this is what happened. You, the old saying... Politics makes for strange bedfellows is never truer when it comes to carbon tax. But listen, the NDP is right. This was not a fair, equal, equitable kind of a tax cut that Trudeau brought in. And as we've discussed in recent weeks, like, it's the old sweater. You pull on one thread and the whole thing comes apart. And, you know, any rural Canadian, anybody who uses uh, propane or any other fuel, watching and saying, well, how come Atlantic Canada is getting uh, this heating oil-fueled tax cut for three years, uh, sees it as unfair, and so I, I'm not surprised the NDP supporting it, and I'll be interested to see where the Bloc Québécois goes, because yeah. uh, they're the only hope left for the Liberals to, um, to stop this, this uh, motion.
0: Well, okay, that, that's interesting, and if the, if the Bloc Québécois joined up with the NDP and the Conservatives on this, the government would clearly lose this motion. This, not, this would not trigger an election, though.
2: No, and and Peter Julian and and Jagmeet Singh of the NDP have both been clear that this is not, uh, they do not regard this as a confidence motion, and I don't think it is. It's it's certainly not a budget or a motion of non-confidence, so I I don't think it would bring down the government, but it shows you, and, and for the NDP, like, let's let's be blunt, Mike, this is kind of a gift because they've been painted as way too close to liberals and too close to Trudeau, who's going down, uh, you know, down in the polls daily, it seems. And so this is a way to say, hey, we stand up for our constituents and and we'll work with anybody, even Pierre Polyev, if it's not fair and if it's not right. And so they get to vote against the liberals and in, on a big high profile issue.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the way that Trudeau has handled this? I mean, this has been characterized as as a botch, a mistake. Uh, by trudeau here it's undermined any kind of confidence in this tax i mean we see this kind of backlash i spoke to the the federal environment minister about it this morning stephen Gilbo. he was my he was my first guest here and he repeated this talking point that well it, the reason we're doing this is because home heating oil is so expensive he says it's the most expensive home heating fuel so that's why they want to <laughs> give people a break on it you know I mean, let's get real. It's about politics, right? It's aimed at Atlantic Canada, where the the Liberals are dying in the polls.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's no yeah. question about it. And you know, I, I mean, Gibo is kind of a contortionist. <laughs> he should go to the circus after this career because he's really been twisted and turned in a whole bunch of different ways to stay in that job. But uh, yeah, the reality is, that it's, it was a political move to try and keep the Atlantic Liberal MPs and their and their constituents happier, and yes, three years, yes, maybe they'll all buy heat pumps in the meantime, but but realistically, you know, you can't do these carve-outs, these little pieces, and then not expect the whole thing to fall apart. So, I mean, Trudeau is effectively out there killing the carbon tax when his arch-enemy, the opposition leader, Pierre Polyev, uh, hit one of his main planks, is kill the carbon tax, and Trudeau's doing it in on his own for no benefit politically that I can see.
0: Okay, speaking of Polly of the federal conservative leader, he was on the show this week as well talking about this. Here he is sticking it to Trudeau here. This is pretty funny. Listen to this. I want to make a deal with him. We all know that we're not going to agree on the carbon tax. He wants to raise it. I want to axe it. We all know that. Let's pause the carbon tax on all home heating until Canadians go to the polls so that we can have a carbon tax election... (laughs) Heck, <laughs> a carbon tax election. Yeah, Okay, yeah, Pauliev yeah. would love that. What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, Mr. Fox, don't throw me in that briar patch as Briar Rabbit. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, the NDP motion, I mean, in some ways, maybe that's what will happen. Maybe we will have an election sooner than we thought just because of some of these issues. And, of course, in the meantime, we've got a, a liberal senator saying Trudeau should go. Um, things are getting pretty dicey around the old liberal caucus.
0: Yeah. What do you think about the, the provincial ramifications of this now? Because this triggered, uh, Kevin Falcon, the leader of the BC United Party. He came out this week. Of course, formerly speaking of contortion acts, I mean, <laughs> yeah. f- formerly the BC Liberal Party that brought in the carbon tax yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Now you've got Falcon saying, well, we, we will cut it. We would cut the carbon tax on, on all home heating fuel, inc- including natural gas. He wants to cut gasoline taxes. Uh, what do you what do you think about the way this is developing provincially here now?
2: Well, it's given uh, Kevin Falcon a kind of a possible out if the Conservatives do some stuff, and and of course if the Conservatives win, uh, and he is federally a conservative. We we know he was a supporter of uh, uh, of the Conservative candidate who uh, who shall not be named from the People's Party became eventually. But uh, look, Kevin was there. He was he was in the legislature. Maxime Bernier. G- uh, just Maxine to get, Bernier, just to of course. Maxine yeah. Bernier, yeah. Falcon yeah, supported like him, yeah. that he endorsed him. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. but the, yeah, he, he has to do a lot of contortions these days. But, uh, you know, if he wants to run on an anti-carbon tax platform in the next election, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because uh, he's got competition on the right-hand side with the B.C. Conservatives who will just say this guy is a phony. He he voted for it, he endorsed it, he brought it in, and now he says he's against it because the times are different. Um, and then the Greens will kind of get squeezed because if the NDP presumably stays with the carbon tax uh, NDP will say, "Don't vote green and waste your vote. We're the only ones who'll save the carbon tax. You'll be you'll be uh, throwing your vote away if you vote for the green." So it, it's quite a fascinating dynamic. But what I, I heard some questions in the press conference with Mr. Falcon, and uh, one of them was, "What are you going to do with a four point five billion dollar hole this tax would blow in the budget?" And he he wasn't really saying much.
0: Yeah, this is this is the comeback from the NDP government saying, "Well, wait a second here. If you cancel the carbon tax, you're going to." absolutely bring destroy the budget here. You're going to blow a massive hole in the budget. And when I asked him up, I asked him that this week, bill, and he said, well, we'll just cut wasteful government spending to make up for that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They all say that, uh, you know, it, 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 it boggles the mind. I mean, I think one of the things that people don't, people can disagree on all sorts of politics, but when you say something and are not clear, I mean, that's a lot of money. So I think he'll be pressed very hard by the NDP and other parties to explain exactly what he would do. Yeah. And so he should be, and so should other parties be when they say they're going to do things that they've got to explain how they can pay for it or what they're going to cut. That's That's what voters need to hear. Yeah.
0: Let's finish up, Bill, here with this announcement this week, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau appointing former BC Premier John Horgan to be Canada's ambassador to Germany. I don't think a lot of people saw this one coming. It's interesting. Now let's go back into the Wayback Machine here. Let's listen to Horgan and what okay, speaking of the carbon tax. Everybody's flipping and flopping all over the place in this carbon tax because the NDP once upon a time were opposed to the carbon tax in British Columbia. That included John Horgan. Listen to Horgan here criticizing the carbon tax.
2: When the carbon tax kicks in, what, three years from now, it'll be seven cents a litre. What do you think, Honourable Speaker, the cost of uh, home heating fuel is going to be at that time? How are people in northern parts of British Columbia, people in... uh, on the wild west coast where the winds blow and the uh, and the uh, temperatures drop, what's the cost going to be to those people? <laughs> Bill, your thoughts. <laughs> well, there's lots of things you say that you might pull back on, although I think, you know, I opposed the carbon tax at the time because all it was was a, 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 it was a tax cut to predominantly richer and, and, and big businesses, et cetera. Uh, and, and so it, it, you basically had a tax shift, uh, from people who could least afford it to people who could most afford it, um, they got the tax cut. So I think, uh, you know, now it's funding a lot of things, which are environmental, including transit And that So there's some strong arguments to keep it. Plus, if we got rid of it tomorrow, the federal government would impose a, a carbon tax on us, just as they have right. on other provinces without a carbon tax. So, you know, I, I think um, as we go forward in the next little while, we're going to see a lot of pressure on all the parties on the carbon tax. And uh, John Horgan will happily be in Germany instead. He he can just be uh, drinking some steins of beer with the uh, diplomats over there and not worrying about it.
0: What do you think of that appointment?
2: Oh, I think it's great. Good for John. Uh, you know, he's uh, a longtime public servant and uh, a very affable guy. I think he'll be very popular in yeah. Germany. And uh, I'm just surprised it wasn't Ireland, which is where he, I think he'd really like to go. But
0: Yeah, that was his dream, I think, because, yeah, he's, yeah. of course, he's got the Irish roots. Do you think that, you know, I heard one interview, Keith Baldry said to me earlier this week that, Does this signal that Trudeau might be thinking of taking that walk in the snow and maybe packing it in and quitting? Like, is this the first of a series of goodbye? I don't know if you can call this a patronage appointment, but John Horgan was certainly pretty pally with him. Yeah, they were yeah. they were buddies, right? Like, yeah, this I don't know if I go tri- uh, as far go as
2: Keith has on. I don't know if I go as far as Keith on that one. I, you know, he doesn't really owe Horgan a, a whole bunch. He, they were friendly. He did some stuff for him. Uh, he didn't do some stuff for him, also, though. So I, I don't see. I don't think I could read it in, into that. If we see a few more appointments, however, of yeah. uh, I mean, liberal faithful getting into the Senate or things like that, uh, or other uh, ambassadorships, then I'd be more inclined to think that.
0: All right, Bill Thielman is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Tim and Cam Loops. Hi, Tim. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, just kind of curious. Did not? Uh, why did the Conservatives federally vote against the motion the NDP brought in to remove uh, GST slash HST from all types of heating oil? And did they not also support a carbon tax federally, the Conservatives themselves? Uh, and yet they've changed, and they're accusing everybody else of flip-flopping, but they seem to have done the same thing. Is it me?
2: <laughs> uh, Bill, do you know? Go ahead. Uh, I, you know, it's so hard to tell what they did before or afterwards. I'm reminded of the old phrase, Mike, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, everybody wants to fight climate change, and nobody wants to pay for it. And so there's this ongoing switching of positions, and, you know, who's more climate-righteous but uh, pocketbook-cautious than the, uh, the other one. So uh, I can't remember all the, well, the details. It's just an a ever-changing picture.
0: Yeah, and... You know, as I recall the, the precise policy by the feder- by Polyev and the federal conservatives on climate change. I mean, when I had, uh, Gil on here this morning, the federal environment minister, you know, he said, Polyev doesn't believe in, in climate change. He doesn't believe in human caused climate change effectively. And, you know, he, he, of course, Polyev would would not admit that. He would not say that. He said there are better, he, he's, he's got his own plan to fight climate change, right?
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: mean, he wants to to bring in technology like uh, carbon capture
2: capture and storage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's going to be a heck of a debate on climate change. And, you know, who would have thought this would happen after the forest fires that we had last summer and all the other challenges we've seen that are directly caused by climate change. But now it's, you know, in a tough economy, environment uh, kind of drops down the list of priorities for politicians and for voters.
1: Rick and Delta. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. Uh, first, I preface, uh, preface that the fact that, like, I'm not a convoy fan or an anti-vaxxer, but I am concerned about the fact that we appear to be uh, under very autocratic system right now, where all levels of government are saying, this is how you're going to live. This is what your community is going to look like, like it or not and that bothers me like it they're totally out of touch with give me, an ex- give me an example what do you mean well these this housing thing i mean it's like i've been paying taxes for 35 years on my modest rancher in north delta here and they're telling me they can build a, four houses next door to me all of a sudden uh and totally change the neighborhood. In our community, you can't drive down certain streets now without having to pull over for an oncoming car because two of you can't pass each other without the risk of taking your mirrors off. And and they want to pack this stuff through, and we have no say in it. Yeah, okay. Thank
0: you for the call, Bill. Your thoughts on the the, the density plan here?
2: Well, I, I have some real problems, and the biggest one, Mike, is that they're taking away the right to have a public hearing on on projects. And you know, here in Vancouver, under the last council, there were 254 rezonings, public hearings, and not one project was rejected. So I can't say I, I don't understand how this government and the federal government are saying, "Oh, it's a big problem; you can't get anything done." Well. You go to a public hearing, you let people have their say, and then you vote, and you're held accountable for it. Uh, I mean, I don't see what's wrong with that, and I think that's one of the changes in this piece of legislation that I have trouble with. No question, we got to have more density, we have got to have more infill housing, missing middle housing, but we really need affordable housing, and uh, that's the big challenge for all governments well, across the country.
0: Well, speaking of affordable, if they start to densify these neighborhoods, where's where's the assurance that these homes will will be affordable? I mean, we build a whole bunch more unaffordable homes. We've got 30 seconds here.
2: Yeah, and we don't have, I mean, there's a huge question, the electrical grid, the sewer, the water, the schools, the parks. I mean, you can't just dramatically increase density without some significant infrastructure costs.
0: Bill, thanks for coming on today.
2: My pleasure.